and welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 65, and this week we look back at STPR with special guest Mark Pietkowski of the MAP Rally Team. Mark has been one of the fastest regional competitors in the East, having finished first overall regional at both the New England Forest Rally and at STPR. So we'll take a look back at what happened a couple weekends ago. This is Open Paddock, the Rallycast. Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and a little bit of a change up in this show as Ian is still recovering from jet lag, having been spending the last week in the UK at the Goodwood Revival. Rough life. So this week in the co-pilot seat is our good friend and rally photographer, Tedrick Mealy. Tedrick, welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast, man. Thanks for having me on. Dude, you know, we're always talking rally all the time, and, you know, you're a perfect co-host, dude. You know all about the sport. You're, you've been to all these events now, and uh, we're going to be chatting it up with Mark in just a bit. You excited? I'm very excited. Uh, this is my first year going to the whole NASP. I don't really know how to introduce myself on this. Um. <laughs> you're Tedrick Mealy of Tedrick Mealy Photography. You take awesome photos, and if people haven't seen them yet, they need to go to your website, because that's some badass shit, dude. I guess I'm really bad at self promotion. I feel weird doing that. So I I just don't We'll do it all like for it. you. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good, man. But uh, the important question is what are you drinking? Oh, I am drinking the Black Butte Porter. Uh it is actually the Black Butte 31, so a special edition uh with chocolate, cold brew coffee, cardamom and aged bourbon barrels. Aged Ooh, in bourbon. bourbon barrel aged Black Butte sounds so good. I'm rather it jealous right now. <laughs> well, considering it's actually a little bit warm outside for the probably the last time of the season, uh, I ended up going something a little bit more light and refreshing. Um, have you ever had that limonata stuff by, by San Pellegrino? Oh, I have not. Oh, it's really good. It's really kind of really tart. Uh, you know, it's an Italian company. You know, it makes stuff called limonata. So it's really sharp kind of lemon flavor but soda thing. But that with vodka is delicious. Oh, nice. So limonada and vodka is what I've got. Anyways, enough talking about drinks. We want to really bring on our guests and talk about STPR. So just a second, we'll bring on Mark Pietkowski of Map Rally Team, and we'll find out what he's drinking. Well, welcome back, and we have with us special guest Mark Pietkowski. Mark, how are you doing this evening, and what are you drinking, man? I'm doing very well. Uh, so first and foremost, Mike, thanks for having me on the show. Um, it's an honor to be uh, on the rally cast, and uh, hopefully whoever's listening will get, get some insight um, and some value from our conversation. So really looking forward to it. Um, to answer your question, I'm a big Long Island iced tea fan, so I have a bottle in front of me. So uh, really looking forward to it. Wow, man, you're taking the step above. I, I, am, I, I was yes. going like the, uh, the the cheap route. I've got uh, San Pellegrino with... Um, vodka in it and it's actually a pretty good combo there you got the nice citrusy thing with a little bit of a kick so and hey, whatever works right yeah I, i'm still jealous of tedrick though that bourbon barrel aged beer he's got mm. it is I, good but it's probably gonna knock me over <laughs> i don't know tedrick i, I think he kind of got his beat there <laughs> <laughs> all right mark as we always start with a brand new guest um we got to find out a little bit about your background. Uh, you were telling us a little bit that you started rallying at just 20 years old. Uh, tell us how that came about, man. 
Yeah, so um, my first rally was 2010, but I guess we should actually begin um, earlier than that. Um, so I got introduced, basically, I like to say I was rallying out of the womb um, because my dad was a, was a rally car driver in, in Poland. And then when he moved here in the U.S., um, he, he, he rallied for a few years as well. So I was kind of brought up in, in the whole you know, rallying mindset. And um, actually, this STPR um, was my 26th year uh, attending the event in one fashion or the other. So that's, I know that's quite the statistic. I think I, from what my dad was telling me, I think I've been attending it ever since I was three. And then I skipped out for senior prom, which was like the biggest mistake ever because I'd much rather watch rally cars than you know, go down to the shore and, and drink. So, um, yeah, <laughs> nice. 20, 26 years is, a um, a very long time attending the event, but yeah, I, uh, you know, like I said, I was brought up with the, with the rallying mindset. I've been going to events for a very, very long time. So I know the rally community pretty extensively, but it took some time for me to actually get to compete, uh, at my first rally, always been into Subarus, uh, Subaru RSs. The, the chassis code is called GC8 have been like, dear to my heart. So I, I actually started rallying the first car I ever had, um, which was a 2000 Subaru RS. And so it, it took me a few years to actually get the funds up to, to build the car, put a cage in it, you know, underbody, all that fun stuff, um, and, and actually rally it. So my, my first rally was STPR 2010, which seems like uh, eons ago at, at this point. And um, I had um, this gentleman called Constantine Mantopoulos, who was, who was co-driving for me. And, you know, when I, I started out rallying and my dad kept telling me, you know, you need somebody experienced in the, in the co-driver's seat. And as a newbie, um, you know, people may have known of me just from, you know, being at the events, but when it came to actually being a competitor, I, I found it very difficult for, for people to, to sit next to me. So I reached out to a few, you know, top co-drivers and they obviously had their, their agendas booked. Um, and then when spectating Rally New York, um, Constantine was there at one of the corners and we just uh, started chatting and we kind of kicked it off. And, and then a few days later, I, I shot him a message saying that, you know, hey, I had a, had a great time, you know, chatting with you at the side of the stage. Um, you know, I'm competing in a few months. Would you like to, would you like to sit next to me? And, uh, you know, eventually he, he said, yes, we, we met up a few times and, uh, he saw the rally car and, and that's kind of how, how it started. So, you know, to come for, for this year to STPR almost, almost a decade later, um, to have the Pietkowski and Mantopoulos name back on the car, but with his son, Ari, um, was just like a really good, uh, really good thing to have on the car. So I was super excited to, to have, uh, have Ari sit next to me. So that's kind of my my spiel on how I started rallying, but it's, uh, it's been almost a decade. So it's, I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you still look like you're barely 21 to me. So, uh, I don't know if that's a reflection <laughs> of how you. old I feel I am, or if you just look that young. One, one of the two, maybe a little bit of both. Maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the, 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 well, I guess a little bit of history there. So I, I remember when you were starting out, doing some of that stuff i mean what you can vaguely follow across social media to the east because obviously i didn't get yeah. over to the east coast events till uh just a couple of years ago but you were doing the, the na4 for a while um but then you switched to super production for just a little bit there tell us about that transition right. and why you switched back 
Yeah, so so I, I was in NA four-wheel drive back in the Rally America days. It was called Open Light. Um, but I was, I was in Open Light for, I think, three years at this point. Um, and I had a fairly successful run. Um, but that's back when, you know, Open Light or NA four-wheel drive was just starting out. So there's very few competitors. I was actually lucky enough to, to win my first event. Um, and then also the, um, the second event at, at New England for me. So I had a pretty good, uh, pretty good start to, to my rallying career. Um, and then as competition kicked up, you know, the entries got higher and higher. And, uh, you know, I got a few second and third places. And then in my last season in, in 2013 in open light, um, I won uh, STPR in New England as well. And then just like any young kid who's into the sport, you know, I was kind of naive back then. And I'm like, you know what, let's take the step up. You know, it's mm -hmm. like I had some success here and uh, I'm ready to take the next step up. So I put the car for sale and it sold very quickly. I would say within like two days um, to this gentleman out uh, out in the Midwest. And my dad always tell, told me, like, you know, the best time to sell a rally car is after some good results. And it was very true. I sold the car very quickly. Um, and then I was thinking, you know, like, what, what is the next step? What, what am I going to take? Am I going to go full open class? Am I going to go, you know, to super production? So that's basically where I ended up. I, I, uh, I bought a 2004, um, STI, um, that was already rally prepped. Um, and I, uh, entered it in the super production class. Um, and this is, I think going back to, to 2014 and this is, you know, shoestring budget, um, got out of college, just starting out my, my career. So obviously funds are low, mm -hmm. but I had to do it, had to do it. That's um, when you started doing those like cool YouTube videos and all that stuff, right? Oh, you saw that? Oh, oh hell yeah, dude. Those were great. Yeah, that was, uh, that was fun. I had a few buddies, um, that were, that were filming me and just kind of following me along. So that was, uh, that was also great to, to have them on board. But but yeah, I uh, I did I my first super production race was um, STPR 2014, um, finished I, I think third in class, um, and when I came back home, the the motor started you know being all funky on me and uh, ended up blowing a, a ringland, which I've come to learn that that's uh, typical for for Subarus, it's it's par for the course, and that was honestly <laughs> just kind of my my history of, of super production every race i had motor issues i couldn't get it strung together um new england forest rally 2014 i had a good first two stages i think i put like a top four time overall and it was going well and then on the jumping concord pond blew the motor and I, like i said it's just every every time i ever went out um something was wrong with the car and then finally new england 2015 um, you know, we, uh, unfortunately had a wreck with the car and, and rolled it into a few trees and, and wrote the car off. So, you know, I, I can't say I regret my decision of going into super production because I think anybody in my shoes would have made that next, next logical step up. But for me in, in that point in, in, in my life, I think it was, I was probably biting off more than I can chew. So, um, you know, I sat down with, with my dad and basically just talked it over and he goes, you know, you should probably take a step back into, into the class that, that you've done, which is, uh, you know, any four wheel drive. So, uh, I had a slow rebuild process. I bought a shell, put a cage in it, did everything super proper. 
um, and then started rallying that car to some fairly good success. So that's a brief history on on my on my rallying career. Yeah. So let's fast forward to this year then, when you're back in an NA4 car, and mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, it reminded me a lot of Blake Lynn that we have out west. You know, it, it's a car that's very underpowered but reliable, and in the right hands can be wicked quick if you can know how to maintain the momentum. Yeah, um, and this is one of the reasons why I love this class. I think it's, it's super underrated. Um, granted, these cars from the factory don't have a lot of horsepower. I mean, my car is only pushing out 170 horsepower stock, um, and, that, and that's what I'm running. But, you know, like you said, with a decent driver mod, with the conditions correct, like we had an STPR, you know, damp conditions, um, it, it could potentially upset the, the leaderboard. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a fantastic class. It's a great starter class. It's very affordable. I know people keep saying, you know, start in two-wheel drive, and I'm not knocking that. But if somebody wants to start in a four-wheel drive, and a four-wheel drive is definitely a class to start in. So the season for you this year, though, started at, well, first of all, where's home then? Because you keep talking about STPR and NEFR. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm based in New Jersey. So STPR is my quote-unquote home event. But um, to, to answer your question, I, I've typically only done STPR in New England for the past for the past few years. And I've always heard good things about the Southern Ohio Forest Rally, which is, um, I think, what they classified as like a super regional rally. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So I, I, entered, uh, I entered Ohio um, with uh, a good friend of mine, Tony DiGiuseppe, who's, who was my co-driver for the event. And um, we started off well. We were fighting for, for first, um, had a good three-way battle with myself, um, Adam Kimmett, and, and Arek. Um, Arek, unfortunately, had some transmission issues. And then myself on the fifth stage just went off a, a bank. It was a, it was a tight left two, and just the car got super sideways on me and just you know kind of went down the bank. No damage. We were both fine, but the car was in such an angle that we couldn't get pulled out. Um, and then after that, once we pulled us out, I just found it so tough to, to get back in, into the groove, you know, when nothing's at stake and, mm-hmm. uh, you're kind of just, you know, cruising along. I, I found it very difficult to, to get back into the groove. It's a so mental game a, at that point, right? Yeah, you just gotta, yeah. you gotta be going for something and got to switch your brain on to, to, fo- to focus on something there anyways. Right. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And I had a big debrief with, uh, with Tony post event. Um, and I learned a lot and, and rallying, you know, it's like you said, Mike, it's such a mental game. Um, but I always have takeaways from, from each event. Um, and one of possibly one of the, um, contributions to, to my slight off was just notes. We historically have been using edited Jimba notes. Um, and for Ohio, we're really editing them. I mean, just taking out lines and lines and just super simplifying them. But I think I simplified it too much. So, so after that, I, I, I took the big step to, to write my own notes. So that's what I did for, for New England and, and for STPR. And, and honestly, if, if I can really pinpoint one way on how I picked up speed, it's, it's all in the notes. Awesome. Um, we, yeah, we've talked about that a thousand times on the show probably, but it is such a big difference when, you know, it, the, the notes are your pace, right? 
Um, you know, years ago I had uh, Chris Duplessis on the show, and he was talking. About, he he still used modified Gemba, and he's like, "Well, it's consistent. You know, a left. You know, a three is always a three or whatever." But that's not your three necessarily, right? I mean, he, he'll hear exactly. a three and he'll probably go a four in his mind because he just knows yeah. to convert it mentally. Exactly. But when you can really design it around your driving style, unique to you, I, I think just it's a whole other level, right? Yeah, I mean, you can the co-driver can say spaghetti, right? But if you know what spaghetti means, then then by all means, uh, go for it. But I, I've been I think... on that stage, spaghetti. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I mean, you know, you can use whatever lingo you want. I still stick to, to kind of the basic Jemba layout, which is one through six. And when we're done doing recce after, you know, my co-driver and I um, write our own notes, we always like to compare it back to Jemba, right? And especially at STPR. STPR is such a tricky event when it comes to notes because it's all the minute crests, you know, all those details that you have in there um, are very important. And to me, like consistently we we kept upgrading the turns. So like what Jemba would call like a three plus, I would have either a four minus or a four. You know, it's it's all about getting that fine line, but it could also be potentially a very uh, detrimental decision if you're not super confident with, with your note writing skills, right? You know, you can go into it and, you know, co-driver calls a five and it's like, whoa, it's a four minus or something like that. And it can, it can completely blow your confidence. So what was it like going into, I guess, New England and that first time, that clean sheet of paper? That's probably the most intimidating part. You said you were able to compare it to Jemba, so it might have made it a little easier at the end. But to start off with, you're going, you're, you go, you're driving out there on Concord Pond or whatever it is. And Concord <laughs> Pond requires a lot of commitment, by the way. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a little easier that you've done those stages before um, a few times, but still, it's a clean sheet of paper. And you're like, uh, where do I start? It's it's a very big intimidation factor, um, and like you said, it's just a clean sheet. And we're starting the first stage in Recky, and he's like, you know, my co-driver Ari is like, okay, tell me what you see. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right. Um, but the way the way I like to do it, um, just to keep it consistent, is for the first pass. And oh, and by the way, when you're writing your own notes, to pass Recky is extremely vital. So I was I was super glad that STPR this year offered a two pass Recky. But, but on my first pass, I, I mark the steering wheel, um, and I just go off of that. So I, I do a very high level, you know, this is a, looks like a six minus or a four plus, and then I give the distances. And then on the second pass, then you add the actual modifiers, you know, like a don't cut or, you know, crest 50, left four. You add these very minute details that at the end of, of the second pass, hopefully you have um, a decent package that you can you can go full out on, but but yeah, like you said, Mike, the first stage of of New England is Concord Pond, and it's it's good that I know the stage. But um, at the end of the first stage, both Ari and I looked at each other and we we're like, "All right, our notes are great." So you know, it just gave me a big confidence boost for for the rest of the event. Nice. Um, well, I, I want to talk a little bit more about STPR, and, and one thing I wanted to mention is there's a lot of people that were doing their own notes for the first time. Yeah. Um, uh, Hooper, uh, Michael Hooper, it was his first time doing his own notes. You know, he said he took a little bit to kind of get the confidence in his notes, you know, yeah. the first couple of stages, but after that, you know, he, he was just bang on, and he thought he was faster than he was ever had been before. Um, Fabio Costa. Uh, Fabio, he only did his own notes for um, ASIF. 
um, just as a test to see what it was like doing his own notes. And he's like, that was my favorite stage doing it that way of all the stages. So it just bodes well that we're seeing more and more people getting into that European style of, you know, just do your own notes. Yeah, I, I agree. I actually think if somebody wants to rally overseas, if they're only used to Jumba, it's a, it's an enormous hindrance to them if they ever want to rally internationally. Um, but but yeah, I, I, I didn't I didn't know Fabio uh, wrote his own notes and, and kudos to him. Um, but yeah, it's it's just honestly, if, if you have a few rallies under your belt um, and you want to take that step, I highly encourage anybody who's who's looking to do to do it to, to actually take that step. All right. Well, let's move on to kind of our STPR review, um, starting out with uh, weather conditions. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, right? So we started off with the fact that, you know, we're used to it being an earlier time of year, a little bit warmer, a little bit drier, maybe. But then again, I heard conflicting reports. It's like, it's still a 50-50 shot, whether it's going to be rain or whether it's going to be dry because thunderstorms move through even in the summer. So, um, yeah, it, maybe it didn't matter on the date shift. But it definitely was a little bit chillier this weekend. And boy, those roads, I think the words I kept hearing were slippy, greasy, <laughs> muddy. Any other adjectives we can come up with here? Um, that, that sounds like that, that weekend. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's funny because the day after the event, like 85 degrees and sunny, right? But leading, leading up to the event, I, I kept looking at the forecast, you know, like two weeks out. And I know it's like two weeks out and you, you can't really predict it. But for that weekend or for, the, for the, that four-day chunk, it showed rain. And as we got closer to the event, closer to the event, it, it kept sticking. Like, it's just, it's just going to rain. STPR has always been an event that I've, I've struggled with because I think the notes are so specific. I've always finished stages at STPR and it's like, ah, I could have pushed a little bit harder, but just something wasn't clicking. And, and those roads have a, have a clay base, right? So if you get any type of moisture in them, um, they, they just turn to, to, to soup. So I was, I was super worried that being such a fast event. Um, I mean, we're talking like fives and sixes consistently, um, and the trees are right off to the side of the road. You know, when, when, you, when you do recce at, at STPR, it's, you know, you're going 25 miles an hour, and it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's not that bad. The roads are smooth. Everything's all right. But it's when you get into actually full stage speed, you know, 80, 90, 100 miles an hour, it's like, oh, man, these roads are so narrow, and these roads are so fast. And any mistake that you make, you're going to be, like, facing a tree. I think... If, if you're confident in the notes, then that's really the only confidence boost that, that, that you need. You, you wrote good notes and you just drive to the drive to the notes. And that's really, really all I did in the event. This is the first time I had a chance to uh, recce this event and actually be on the roads a lot. When I was here, two, when I was there two years ago, um, we were just stuck in the service park and else and going to like some of the spectator areas. So, but I actually got out on the roads and, they didn't seem that narrow to me, but again, at 25 miles an hour, they don't seem so narrow. Uh, I mean, they're still a car and a half width, maybe two cars wide in some areas, but, uh, you know, it, but I can imagine just because the trees are just so close to the edge, or there's no little ditch or anything at the sides uh, to protect you a little bit, you know, as a buffer. Um, exactly. Tedrick, you were out there doing a little bit of recce yourself. Tell, tell me what you saw. Well, yeah, I, this being, uh, you know, so close to Ojibwe and having been my first time to both of those, you know, Ojibwe, 
there's fairly tight roads, but there's huge bushes right along the road the whole time. And it's fairly tight turns. And this was like, it's just, the road seems open until you realize how close everything is on the side. And then it's like, oh. <laughs> so like, photographically, it's like, oh, okay. So the cars aren't turning that much. And uh, they're going super fast. And you can stand really close to the road next to a big tree. But is that a great idea? It was a very different kind of event to to kind of look at. But I would say, as far as the trees along the roads and the shape of the roads, it's not super uh, unlike Olympus. Uh, it's just the roads are a lot smoother. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. And I guess, again, from my standpoint, that one thing I did notice is that, you know, I was going along just what seemed like a, a straight stretch of road. And there are, like you said, there's spots where there's super fast. It is a very fast rally. There's some straight stretches in there, just little kind of twitches left and right, but it's otherwise just straight. And next thing you know, you know, I'm going down and you don't, you don't realize it. And you're like, oh, where I'm going 35, almost 40. And, in, in, you know, I'm trying to do recce speed. It's easy to go a little too fast. And next thing you know, the car is actually slipping a little bit. Like, whoa, okay, back off a little bit <laughs> yeah, because yeah. of those conditions. Yeah, there's actually um, a 900 in in one of the one of the notes in STPR, it's like almost a mile of oh just, yeah just flat out straight away and you can see the end of the 900 and it's just like the the craziest thing i've i've ever seen it's isn't that downhill flat to the floor that was on it, uh, painter right painter yeah painter south it was the last yeah. four stage of of the event that's crazy so like you said you've done this specific rally many many times I guess, uh, which stage with those conditions seemed like was the biggest challenge? It's a good question. Um, I, I would probably say the first loop of stages on Friday. Um, super slick. I think the first stage was, was Lebo, and it starts out fairly narrow, and you're going uphill. And then after the spectator point, it kind of opens up where you have um, like a two, two-and-a-half car width road. Um, and I just remember the, the surface being like ice, I came into a four completely sideways in, in second gear, which is like unheard of for a four <laughs> for me. But it, it's just it, the car just went fully sideways on me. The, the surface, like I, like I mentioned before, it's, it's clay based and any moisture to it would just turn to the soup. So it was it was tremendous. But when I finished the stage, I looked over at, at my co-driver, Ari. I'm just like, man, the rhythm wasn't there. You know, he's like, you know, you're driving to the conditions. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, and our time was actually decent. Um, you know, I'm assuming everybody else was struggling for grip. And when you when you have those conditions, you just have to be smooth. You know, you have to go into the corner a little bit slower than you normally would, but have a fairly fast exit out um, and just keep keep to those lines and, and be smooth. And that's uh, that's really what we did the whole event. So in addition to the conditions out on the stages being something, um, let's talk about the service park. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so this year, STPR moved the service park from what used to be at the Tioga Fairgrounds, right, um, over to being at the uh, waste management uh, facility. And they nicely made a nice, what they thought was going to be a nice, smooth uh, area. Unfortunately, it rained. And that soft ground that they put down, because it hasn't had like, you know, 3,000 3, years of packing down or whatever, uh, that turned into a swamp. 
it was it was a complete mud bath and we <laughs> we we were we were servicing right across from the Subaru rally team and they were parked on on a swamp as well so if they're parked on the swamp everyone else is just swimming at that point but um, well, they had lakeside property i mean <laughs> <laughs> pretty much i mean we, we we had a nice view of the lake as well i suppose but i mean i i've heard that that was not their intentions no. um you know when it comes to mother nature it's very fickle especially in, in that in that area but um hopefully for next year you know conditions will improve and it'll get a little bit more hard packed but the actual area of, of the service area was um, was decent if it if it didn't rain. Uh, you know, I agree. And, and plus, you're actually closer to where all the stages are instead of having to go all the way up another 25 minutes to the state to the county fairgrounds. Yep. It just made sense, I think, to be closer to uh, to the stages that way. But uh, my favorite though is I saw a picture of somebody posted um, where there was like this little flag, this little uh, this little sign said. Uh, no wake zone for the yeah, lake that, that was there. <laughs> that was right. That was right next to my spot too. Like, oh man! Ah, oh, brilliant. Gotta love rally yeah. people. Yeah, but but as, as you mentioned, Mike, it's the finish of waste management. Well, the start and finish, depending on which which way you run, is right there next to the service park. So so like you said, there's no you know like in New England, forty five minute an hour drive to to go to the uh, you know finish control literally finish the stage you park your car and and everybody's there so it has its its pluses and, and negatives but um i think the setup as a whole for stpr and the changes that they've made um were were welcomed um but just mother nature threw through everything for for a loop and you know that's that's just how we have to cope with it i know a lot of people online were saying how rough the waste management stages were and, and everything and honestly my my response to that is adjust your driving and build a stronger car. You know, I, I also adjusted my driving and, um, I like to think that my car is, is fairly, fairly strong. Um, and it coped with the stages pretty well. I mean, you know, not, not all roads can be smooth, like the typical STPR forestry stages. I, I like that, that difference in character that the waste management stages have. Yeah, you're getting a little ahead of me on there, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> that, that, that was definitely a subject that I was going to bring up. Um, uh, when talking about Friday, but b- before we kind of get into that, though, I wanted to talk about just, you know, a couple of things about the event as a whole as well was there were 74 entries that started, which is massive. That's a huge entry list, which is great. Yeah. Uh, about 73% finished. So that's pretty cool. So, I mean, that sounds about average losing about 20, 30%. Um, that, that's not unheard of with most rallies. But w- what I really liked was that Thursday night ceremonial start. I thought that was... A, a cool thing to do that it seemed like a lot of the community came out it was packed out there and then to be able to do that somebody some people did a little burnout or whatever underneath the arch there as uh they went across the start line what'd you think of that it, it it was great um because typically stpr starts on the friday um for this year they had the two pass recce wednesday thursday um shakedown thursday and then the opening ceremony um thursday evening um, and it was it was great to to just see everybody out there. It, it really seemed like all Wellsboro was out on the green um, and, and just supporting the rally. So to to have that as a start of the event, um, it was just really really great to see. And uh, yeah, some people some cars were doing you know smoking tires out of the arches, but um, obviously we couldn't do that because I would have probably broken a trans or something if I dropped the clutch. <laughs> <out of it. laughs> 
but no, it was, it was definitely cool to see. And, uh, and to do it at night, I think there's that element of, uh, of old school rally as well, you know, lamp pods on and, uh, you know, anti-lag is on and, and all that. So from a visual perspective, it was also really, really nice to see. It was pretty cool. I, I love the fact that the community really gets behind it. And, you know, I mean, how many people would know to go to Wellsboro, right? And then here's this little place in the middle of nowhere. And it is just this iconic little piece of Americana. And it's just, I, I love the community. There's, they love it so much when the rally's there. And so many people come and invade this little town. And it's just great. It just, it's so much fun. Yeah, and, and, and that's one of the good things about rallying as a whole, you know. Um, I have only been to, to, you know, kind of the East Coast events, but I'm sure out West is the same thing. Places that you would have never been to, you're actually not only, you know, there to, to, to see the scenery, but you're racing through it. Um, and, and that's just, just the magical experience. So that also allowed for a longer day on Friday. You are able to, instead of, you know, setting up the green on Friday and yeah. then doing a park expose, and you're not even getting out on the stages until, you know, noon or whatever, you're able to, boom, you guys are just, you know, you had your park expose thing on Thursday night. You're able to just go straight to the stages and get to rallying. But that made for a very long Friday. They put a lot into that day, didn't they? Yeah, they, they definitely did. And and honestly, it was like um, the old school STPR days where it's a one day marathon event starting at like 9 a.m. and ending at like 3 a.m. I was kind of getting back to those days when I was just spectating off to the side of the stages and just seeing like the Sprongle brothers or, the, or Pat Richard just going fully sideways next to me with red hot rotors. So um, it was it was good to see. And, and honestly, Mike, it was the first time for me doing a, a proper night stage. I, I can honestly say I've never done a proper night stage like that. So it was it was good to put the lamp pods on and um, and just to have that whole spectacle. But yeah, it was it was a very long day, and I think stage mileage wise, like seventy five percent of the of the event was the first day, and then mm -hmm. just you know like the twenty five percent was on on Saturday. So it was it was really good. Tedrick would have seen more of it, but uh, I believe that was the day your keys were locked in your car. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, yeah, is that what happened? Yeah, I had. Uh, well, no, they weren't locked in my car. Uh, oh, that's right. They were just lost. Yeah, a little sidetrack here, but they were found after we left. They were in the burn barrel for the house that we were staying in. Um, okay. So, yeah. yeah, they they got tossed out with the trash somehow, but, you know, these things happen. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, I was really glad that the waste management stage uh, was right next to service. Because that worked out well. <laughs> it was within hiking distance. So, yeah, uh, talking more about Friday, though, um, kind of some of the folks that I talked to, obviously I was talking to some of the front runners uh, quite a bit. Boy, it, it, was, it was fun to see just Oliver just right from the get-go, quick as a bunny. David, of course, says that he's going for the championship and things like that. Okay, yeah, I get it. But he just stomped on it right away. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> that I, kid. I was shocked. I, I was honestly shocked. Ari and I had a little side bet going on. I had my money on David um, just because he's done the event so many times and mm -hmm. his notes are, are perfected. You know, I, I wasn't too surprised when Oliver pulled those times out on, on waste management, but I was expecting David to definitely have, you know, more pace um, in the forestry stages. So, yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure it's easy for us to, to talk and on the sidelines, but I was really hoping David would... Uh, 
would be a little bit closer to, to Oliver, but it just speaks on how, how much talent that kid has. Um, to, to go to SDPR on his, on his first try and, and to win it, like I said, it's a very note-intensive rally, a lot of commitment. And plus, once he you know, put Mother Nature into the whole mix, I was, I was really shocked. So kudos, kudos to him. I think he's got you know, the road paved to, to WRC, honestly, if, if he keeps up this pace. So I'm really looking forward to see his progress. Any comments, Cedric? Oh, I was just going to say I love watching him on stage. Uh, you know, I, I, I love David. You know, he's always, he, as you said, he can kind of keep it conservative when he wants to or needs to. But I think Oliver's the first driver I've seen that looks like he's full send all the time and still <laughs> keeps it on the road. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, and what's interesting is, you know, David's style often is, uh, especially like when he's against, uh, you know, Pastrana and whatnot, is he's going to go super fast on the first couple of stages to create that intimidation factor. Mm -hmm. And then he can kind of back off a little bit. Uh, at least that's my experience being around him over the last yeah. few years. Um, he, he, he doesn't have that advantage with Oliver, right? So, no. um, yeah, it, it was very interesting. Uh and, you know, he had a couple of minor issues himself, but again, you just see where Oliver, even if he has an issue, still finds a way to uh, still be on top. Um, uh, but speaking of issues, one of one of the funny ones was talking to Barry McKenna, who at a hairpin <laughs> by the spectator area got Ooh, his car. This, yeah. yeah, he got high center. Yeah. And he couldn't get the car out from where it was. The only way he could get it out was to back down into the valley below it through between trees he puts it back in stage mode and this is like video game style launches the car up out on this, the road. This sounds like uh, David in Idaho. <laughs> oh man, that was that's hilarious and there is some video of the, uh, out there of it his uh, co-driver suddenly like jumping out of the way last minute. I know the corner and I know I knew somebody was going to go off there. Unfortunately, it, it was Barry. It was a long um stretch downhill and then it was like a left one hairpin and at the end oh, of the left one. yeah at the end of yeah. the left one was just like this muck and if you took the corner wide um you would just get sucked in and, and down down that little embankment and that's you know that's probably what happened to to barry so i was sad to see that on on video but i knew somebody was going to go off there i think i uh i i think i actually stopped at that corner on recce and parked probably right about where he went off, like not <laughs> off the road, but, you know, into the muck and realized, oh, this, I hope I can get back out of this. Yeah. Yeah. On, on recce, it was, it was still even soupy, but then, yeah. you know, as it started raining, it's just, it just it, got it, worse. Exactly. So that put him down like seven minutes from, uh, from, from where he wanted to be. And uh, yeah. through Ouch. Ramana, you know, ahead of him. But what was cool about that is, how much he was pushing after that and staying on the road doing it and kept gaining time on uh, Ramana. And that, that was pretty cool. Granted, his car is quicker than what Ramana's would be on some of these stages, but uh, that, that, was, that was pretty killer to see the fight back kind of thing. Because you just always want to see that, right? We always love to see a battle. And when somebody's that back that far and you can just see every stage, ooh, he got another 20 seconds. Ooh, he got another 15. Ooh, he got, you know, and that kind of stuff is just fun to see as they fight it back. Yeah, it, it, it takes a mentally strong attitude to to get back from a seven minute deficit. You know, kinda of, kinda of like what I had at, at Sofer. Granted I 
you know, lost over an hour getting pulled out by, by sweep. But, you know, once, once you think all is gone, it's, it's tough to actually put your head down and, um, and, and go flat out. So kudos, kudos to Barry. I mean, Barry's a great driver with a great package. Um, and I think what he finished uh, third overall, right at the end of the event. He did. He did make his way uh, back up to third overall. Um, part of that was uh, because of issues with that waste management stage. Uh, right. Ramana Lagaman's car, it got brutalized on that stage. Yeah. So I, I kind of going back into that just a little bit, I, I heard about a 50-50 thing. Um, some people love that stage. They, first of all, everybody loves the area where spectators can see. Um, they, they like right. to have something for the fans. And they're totally okay with that. But even with their attempts to smooth out that stage, it seems to be so rough in places. Um, and and not even the fact that it's just making your car stronger, but it's like, no matter what you do, a, a well-prepped car just bottoming out because there's just these, I don't know, the, the, there's just these dips and things, the way it's designed, you just, you can't drive it normally i guess i mean you know the stage better than i do i didn't get a chance to recce waste management but i, I know it's got some really tight hairpins as well i know that's one big complaint because some guys are saying that you know to take this corner i have to commit and have to go super fast but after the first five cars have gone through they've dug out these big rocks and things and there's yeah. no way to even make the corner unless i push and now i've got big rocks there that can damage me so that's one of the challenges. But some of the other parts was just even on some straight stretches, it's not flat enough that it looks like it's flat out, but the car is just going to constantly be hammering down and down and down on the on the skid plate. So it sounds to me there's some improvements that could still be made on that stage maybe. Oh, I I, I mean, I sure hope so, right? I mean, no no doubt the, the stage was, was rough, especially especially the new section. Um, I heard that was not their intentions. And again, like I said, I think, mother nature through through them for for a loop as well but but even in recce you know i was going down on it and just like oh man this is super bumpy i mean if you're if you're you know your head's bopping at 20 miles an hour you can only imagine that if you're trying to take it at 60 you know it's uh it, it could be pretty pretty interesting but after after the initial section and you again it kind of get back into like what the waste management stages historically used to be Mm -hmm. Um, I honestly thought it, it, it wasn't that bad. Um, I had, we had done, honestly, it was a three pass recce of, of waste management because we'd done it twice and then we did it a third time and our notes were very good. They, it, it, you know, we, we said where the rough patches are. Mm -hmm. Um, we said where the, the, the mud may be, you know, like a slippy exit. Um, so then I would take the corner a little bit early and then just have like a, a straight exit. So we, you know, we, 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 played the stage pretty well. Um, we drove pretty well. The, the first pass on waste management, we caught the car ahead of us kind of mid stage and then, um, caught the other car kind of towards the, the finish line. So I was, I was honestly shocked because I just got into a, a very good rhythm. Um, and, and I just drove to the notes, took it easy on some of the sections that, had, you know, where we had marked as, uh, as rough and the other sections just, just got into a good rhythm. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just kind of the challenge of, of what rally is, right? Uh, yeah. I don't think... Drive don't to think, the conditions kind of thing. Exactly. I, I don't think all roads should be super smooth. Um, I, I like that that variance, and it keeps everybody on, on their toes. So, um, you know, I'm a fan of the stage, not going to lie. 
And like I said, it seemed like it was a 50-50 split to me, you know, when people were all complaining about it online. But then you're like, no, it's fine for me. And, yep. you know, back and forth. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and I started kind of taking an assessment. I'm like, yeah, it seemed like some still liked it. And just, and it seemed like those that had the most experience there are the ones that were able to, you know, know exactly where to back it off and uh, not have an issue. So. That's a good way to put it, yeah, because if this is the first time you've ever done that stage, I'm, I'm sure it could be very eye-opening, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like, at least from what I heard, everyone said the same thing. It was just all about everyone's tone. <laughs> it was saying it like exactly what you said, and I loved it, I loved the challenge, or exactly what you said, but it was the worst thing ever. I mean, honestly, Tedrick, the way, the way I look at it is even the worst day of rallying, is still, You're still rallying. Is still rallying, and it's better than the best day in the office. So, you know, I can be hitting the skid <laughs> plate in waste management, but that's so much better than just the best day in the office. So at the end of the rallies, I just have, like, a smile on my face, whether I did well in, in STPR New England or if I didn't do that well in, in Ohio. Still at the end of the weekend, I just have a huge smile on my face because it's just so good just to be rallying. I like that attitude. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm full agreement. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I like what I do for a day job because it allows me to come out and do rallying. But <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, one last thing I wanted to mention on the Friday that uh, what was so entertaining of all things, and, and normally it shouldn't be, was uh, talking to Ryan Booth, who started out of the blocks in that R2 on fire. Oh my god. <laughs> Those stage times were just wicked, right? Yeah. And yeah. we were going out to uh try and spectate in the afternoon and uh get get some video shots. And all of a sudden I see a trailer off the side of the road where the exit of uh I guess Painter um and or not Painter, uh one of the other ones from the first loop. And there he is. He's just sitting there on the side. I'm like, "Wait, wait, that's Ryan Booth. You know, we flipped the UE and went back and talked to him. And he's got this huge grin on his face. He's like, yeah, I rolled it. <laughs> uh, well, at least he's being a good sport about it, right? Oh, he is he's the happiest person that's done a role that I've ever met in my life. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. He, he was actually the car starting um, right in front of me, so... You know, when when I when I got to that point, you know, the smoke is billowing out of the radiator and everything. And he had just managed to, to hop out and have the OK sign. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I saw that sign because it was in a pretty fast stretch um, mm -hmm. of the stage. So I'm, I'm glad, you know, both him and uh, Rhiannon were, were were OK. Yeah, I mean, they, they were definitely fine. Um, obviously, a, a well-built car and whatnot to keep them safe. And actually, sure. they didn't go into the trees. Uh, the role they did was really just kind of on the road. But there's that little crest there, and they should have put a don't jump. And he just sent it. And uh, <laughs> when he landed, he, he just overcorrected. He thought he saved it, and no. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunate for him, but uh, was also cool, by the way, to see his car with a McDonald's livery on it. Um, cause that's the yeah, family business. That. Yeah. Right. right. So, so is that, that a family business? Or yeah. That, that they own sense, a yeah. bunch of, um, uh, they're, they're part of the franchise. And so they own a number of franchises. You can, uh, he's allowed to use the McDonald's, um, livery on it. So I'm like, that's pretty freaking cool. I like that. That is very cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, even though he rolled, he was still loving it. So 
I, I guess that's the same thing, you know. It's, uh, e- even I rolled, no, I rolled my car. Better than a day at the office. Exactly, <laughs> and, and and honestly, that's that's the best way to to approach approach rallying. I think, Mike, I was telling you this uh, offline, but rallying has has taught me so many life skills. You know, if if I if I didn't rally, I'd probably be some I don't know couch potato watching football. God, God help me. But it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's just given me like work ethic. You know, it's given me the work hard, play hard mentality. It's given me the the true value of of, of what a dollar is. You know, marginal gains, mental strength. I mean, preparation learning that like failure is just a gift in disguise. Um, it, it just taught me so many life skills that I can actually take away from rally um, and apply it to, you know, my career. Um, and just like I said, just life and life in general. I thought, I think it's a great way to, um, it's a great way to, to shape yourself. No doubt. I know I've learned a lot uh, being around a lot of rally folks and uh, being also involved with the organizing. Um, all the effort that goes in, people that volunteer and uh, put in just those countless hours for, for something that really doesn't benefit them so much, right? Other than yeah. the community they're a part of yeah. and realizing the value of that, that actually community is the big part of it. It's not just about the event as far as a singular thing, I guess, that happens. It's it's the community of the people. That's, that's why you do it. And uh, I, that's what's really sucked me in more than anything. Yeah, and, sure. and honestly, the, the rally community is just a bunch of scrappy hustlers, you know, versus <laughs> versus versus road racing. I feel like, you know, they're a little bit more, I don't know, prim and proper, but rally is just like hustlers. You got to really hustle in order to, to, you know, to do the sport and to work the sport, whether you're a competitor or or crew, you know, especially in the waste management mud pit, you know, <laughs> right. Um, it's yeah, it's just I, I love the community because they're just hustlers. It's just great to see. Awesome. So Friday Friday finished out in the dark. Um so you did get to do your night stage, uh, a couple of night stages, which I thought was really cool. And it seems like the fans really liked it too. Um even though it was a little bit of a late end after a early morning start. Yeah. I personally like that. I like having kind of a marathon day um as part of an event because you know in in the end it's still an endurance sport even though it's a series of sprints uh, trying to manage all that manage your car manage your you know the the conditions it's still endurance racing and i love having to just have having a bunch of it all in one day as part of that is just adds another layer of challenge agreed and uh, not gonna lie rattler at night is pretty scary it's um that's the shakedown stage run in reverse and it's all downhill and it's all like fives and sixes over crests. And then the, the finishing part is like you just see this cliff and you're just like, oh, man, don't look, don't look. <laughs> but it, but it's, it's, scary. Yeah, it's, it's a scary stage. I can't imagine running the forestry stages, you know, kind of like Painter and Asaph, the classic ones at night like they used to, you know, over 10 years ago. That must have been something, something else. Yeah, that's it. it the lights just highlighting what becomes fence posts <laughs> pretty much. I mean, I just have these vivid images of me sitting by the, by the end, uh, by, you know, by off to the side of the stage and you hear the car about a minute before it approaches. Right. And then you see this like beam of light before you even see the car. And then the car passes a brake, uh, you know, the brake rotors glowing and, 
and just mud flinging is just such a spectacle that if, if somebody's never experienced rally, they should go and see a night stage because the visual spectacle is just so amazing. So I love the sport. I can't agree more. I actually, I had a moment on Friday night at the, from the service park and spectator area, watching you guys do uh, the last round at night and watching as you came to finish the stage and the headlights just weaving back and forth <laughs> through uh, waste management. Like that brought me back to my, my first rally and watching the cars we like wind their way down the hill uh prescott rally and it's the same thing like my very first rally i went to it was the first thing i saw was a night stage and those cars just winding down off in the distance and then all of a sudden flying past you and jumping a cattle guard and brake rotors going <laughs> everything everything's going crazy and it's like yeah okay i'm hooked <laughs> yeah. i mean I, I i tell people at night stages put the camera down because it's very tough to photograph and just yes. enjoy the spectacle Yes, absolutely. From a photographer, put the camera down. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> e even I was just like, I just got to watch. Totally excusable, yeah. So then we roll into Saturday, a little bit later start. Um, that one you go back and do another park expose in the green. Uh, let the fans come out and see y'all. Um, at first, I thought the day was going to be a little bit drier. Then it started coming down a little bit again. That's, uh, that's what I afternoon. thought, too. Yeah, started out the morning anyways, a little bit more clear, a little bit warmer. But then it, it yeah, drizzle came in later. Um, first stage of the day was Asif, right? Yep, the classic. I went out to the spectator area for that one, and I, I got I to say, is there a better spectator spot in U.S. rallying? Because you've got that, the, the people that actually literally could camp, there's some camp spots right over by there. There's a great little park i guess just before you guys come around the corner in front of the spectators and go across a small bridge with a creek and every, i mean it's so picturesque you got a great corner there uh there's a hillside for people to just cram up there and and just pack in and see a lot from a distance it's got everything yeah that's actually a good way to, to put it mike and um that's one of the spots that i've been spectating since god i can remember yeah you have you have the hill on the left hand side you have kind of that campground on the right-hand side. You have that bridge, which used to be like a one-lane bridge that cars have flipped over. Oh, wow. Plus years ago. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a whole conundrum about, about that. But it's just, if, if, you're, if you're looking for the quintessential STPR photograph, it's ASAF, no doubt. What's that stage as a whole like for you? I know that uh, that was the one that, you know, earlier I was saying that uh, Fabio had done his own notes on, and he mm -hmm. really enjoyed it. He said it was his favorite stage of the whole rally. That, that is a classic STPR stage that is known for taking the top people out. Um, yeah. So it's got some so, gotchas in it. Oh, it's definitely got some gotchas. So kind of halfway into the stage, well, let me, let me revert back a little bit. So you, you start the stage kind of on, on top of a, a vista. Coming down half of the stage down to the spectator point is, is all downhill. Um, kind of halfway through the downhill section, there is a surface change that's very tough to see. Pastrana has rolled there, I think, more than once. Um, it, it's caught a, a lot of the top guys um, in, in that particular corner. Um, but the, that whole stage is very tricky going downhill because you have a cliff right to the side of you, um, and, it's, and it's very narrow. And then after the spectator point, it's, it's kind of slightly uphill, and that's kind of the part where I started pushing. The, the downhill section, you have, to be, you have to be very, very careful on. 
but it's it's a classic STPR stage that's been run for uh, 20, 30 years. Um, I've run it in both directions, but definitely going down the hill to the spectator area is, is really the way it should be run. Well, and I liked about being at that spectator is you got that, you know, that little uh, row of trees right at the apex of that corner, and you can really see who's got it right and who's got it wrong because you go too wide and you just you're just way off it's almost oh, yeah. like getting in the marbles right yeah. and uh so you can see who's written the note correctly for approaching that corner because you can't see it because of those trees and you know obviously being media i can be kind of right there on the corner you can see just how close the good drivers are able to just ride that apex and then come yep. straight out for that bridge which then adds another thing because you you know it's a it's a concrete bridge now right so yep. you have a little bit of surface change there where it gets a little slippery and I think I saw a couple of people uh, tag a bumper on the uh, outside of that because they got a little slippery. But, um, yeah, a great place to visually see what the drivers are doing right or doing wrong. Yeah, and and coming up to the spectator point right before there's a crown on the road. So like you said, Mike, if you get um, if you don't hug the inside and you go to the outside, it's just going to suck you off. I think I remember Ken Block, it was like 05 or 04 or something, there used to be hay bales there. I don't know if they were there this year. Um, but he, he got sucked into the hay bales, and his car actually got stuck on top of it. Um, and, like, all the media was trying to run out and push him out and everything. And, and I think he lost, like, a few minutes there. I, I remember that so vividly. Wow. Yeah, no hay bales this year. Um, but, uh, yeah, so if you were going to go off, you'd just hit a, an embankment or trees <laughs> or if you went really far off, you'd end up going into uh, where the, uh, I think there was, that was where the ham radio guy was to, uh, you'd run into his truck. So uh, that wouldn't be fun, but no, that wouldn't you be have fun. to go way off to probably hit that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh, so ASIF first stage of the day. Um, then unfortunately, and, and this happens with rallying, you know, we, th there's accidents that happen. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to kind of go into red crosses a little bit. So uh, there definitely was a red cross that happened. Um, yep. and there was an injury, uh, folks stopped to assess, but I, what I wanted to talk about though, is how competitors are supposed to assess a red cross. Um, I think some of the people that, you know, maybe even competitors are listening, uh, or at least, you know, maybe spectators, they don't understand maybe how a red cross situation is handled. So I guess, let's say I get into a crash and I notice, I'm hurt or my co-driver's hurt or, or the situation where, you know, somebody's just knocked unconscious and I'm not sure I come out and I hold up a red cross sign. Yep. The next car, what are they supposed to do? So the, the first car on the scene um, is supposed to stay, stay on the scene um, and just, and just help the crew. Um, the second car that arrives um, actually, you know, sees if uh, sees the situation and they're supposed to go to the next radio point at uh, a safe speed. So, so that's, that's kind of the process, but you mm -hmm. know, it's, it's all fine and dandy when you, when you look at it on paper, but when actually sure. performing it, I'm, I'm sure it's very difficult. I'm, I'm sure the competitor that, that went off, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, in completely a, a solid state. Um, so when, when we went by, um, we didn't see the red cross and actually right. a few competitors after me didn't, didn't see it. So there, that was a whole kind of situation that, uh, unless you've actually seen the onboard, you know, if, if you look at the situation on paper, it's like, well, why didn't all these people stop? But it's it's because it, it just it just wasn't clear. And I'm not, you know, pointing fingers at, at myself. I'm not yeah, pointing and I'm not trying either. You know, I just wanted to bring up right. just how these situations are handled. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think what was really missed in this, and, and this even fr from the competitor that was uh, that was involved in this, is not understanding that one of the features of the Easy Track trackers is there's yeah. an SOS button. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it was never pressed. Agreed. And and honestly, this is this is why I'm a big advocate of during the drivers meeting before the rally starts, just just go over everything. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a typical Red Cross procedure, Agreed. what the Easy Tracker does, all the kind of standard basic features of of everybody that should know just for their own safety sake. Um, I, I think it's I think it's vital. You know, um, you, you guys get a lot of material before a rally that you're supposed yeah. to read. Um, and if you had a month of Sundays, you could do that. Uh, the reality that I find is a lot of people last minute trying to make it to the rally, doing some last minute fixes on their car. No, what are you talking about? Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, and, it's, it's, it's very true. And, you know, and they're relying on their co-driver to hopefully read all that stuff. But if their co-driver is part of their crew, that doesn't happen very well. Yeah, it, lack of experience. I mean, I, th I think this was just a good learning experience for a lot of people. The, the, the other thing is, is, you know, some, it, it might be thought, and again, I'm not pointing finger. I'm not saying anybody did anything wrong, but I can imagine somebody thinking that you know I think that person's okay, so I'm just going to keep pushing because I don't want to lose time. Let's say they're being really competitive with somebody else or whatever. Yeah. Um, the other thing about these trackers, they store all that GPS data, even if there isn't a cell signal there to upload the data. Meaning that if you had to stop and help somebody, and then you got going again it would record that point in space. So it's a receiver, right? It's a GPS receiver, and it stores that. And it uploads that later in a big batch of stuff once it gets signal. So it knows where you were and for how long that you were stopped. Yep. All that time can be given back. Easy. Super easy. Do a little inquiry. Yep, we were stopped helping somebody. And all that time will be given back to you. And so I think that's the other thing is I get in that mindset of, you know, I don't want to have to fight a thing or whatever. It's like you just see tracks going off the road and you don't you can't see a car. Aren't you also supposed to stop in that situation? Mm, technically, yes. But, you know, when when you have the red mist in front of you, it's it's difficult. But I, I think just generally there's several takeaways from not only this rally, but this has been a conversation in the, in the past as well. I think rally safe would be something good if, if uh, ARA implemented it going forward, going over safety procedures. I think just spreading the knowledge, Mike, on having the easy tracker functionality and knowing that, you know, if you do pull over, um, that time is also being recorded. I think that's very important mm -hmm. information, and I'll be honest, I didn't even know that. Um, so I, I think all of this just knowledge share is just very important before the event. And, and like I said, I think um, this is definitely a, a hard sell for for Rally Safe, the you know the the, the application. So, um, but thankfully, at at the end of the uh, the rally, nobody. I mean, somebody did get injured, but um, you know they're doing okay now, and um, yep. you know we'll all live to to fight another day. Well, and that's what I was going to say is, you know, um, for those that know Oscar, you know, he did get patched up. Um, he messaged me uh, just yesterday. We were having a little chat and uh, yeah, he's definitely recovering well. And um, yeah, so he'll be he'll be just fine. And uh, he'll be back. 
He'll be back. Uh, here. Here. <laughs> uh, you know, it, once you get bit by the rally bug, it's hard to keep you away, of course. But oh. yeah, I just wanted to just again just kind of talk about the features of these devices and. You know, yeah, a lot of people do talk about RallySafe. Yep, it does a little bit more for a higher price. Um, EasyTrack covers a lot more stuff than people realize. Yeah. But again, they don't know that probably because I, I think we just need, that information needs to get out there for sure. So Agreed, agreed. Yep. Um, let's see here. Uh, what else was I going to talk about here? Uh, day two finished up with another final run through the... Uh, waste management stage where kind of was like the last gasp to like push as hard as you can, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I didn't want to tell you going into the last service, but, um, we, we had a bad wheel bearing that was only discovered, um, before the start of, uh, what final... you keeping information from media. <laughs> I, I know. I'm I know. so shocked. <laughs> no, but of, of all the stages of bad wheel bearing, it's the worst to go on waste management just because it's so rough. But, but honestly, when I started the stage and going transiting to the stage, I was, I was worried. But then when I started, I'm just like, you know what, if they let's go, it lets, let's go. I'm not going to, you know, go at 20% pace and, and just try to hobble around. Um, and, and it thankfully held up, but it's, man, that wheel bearing is really cooked right now, but, but, but yeah, it's, um, how many, how many runnings of waste management do we have? I think four in total, right? Four. And I think that's why yeah. there was the big complaint about it too, is well, three and a half. There was a short version that's true. and then there was three full runnings. That's and true. that was, I think, I, I think a lot of people would have been happy with just to run the shorts and not doing the full anyway. Uh, yeah, it was uh, three and a half runnings that you ended up doing the waste management. Yeah, actually, the the short waste management is is the rough part. Oh, really? Um, I, yeah, I, I actually like the the longer section where I actually go into all the twos and ones, and um, it's not as rough. I mean, it's still rough. Don't get me wrong, but it's uh, you can actually get into a good rhythm rhythm there. And um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think these are all constructive criticism for the uh for the organization i'm sure if they figure out something for for waste management going forward try to smooth it out maybe put some gravel on top or or do whatever um both in the stages and in the service park i think with those few tweaks um maybe a a, a safety talk before the rally i mean the it would just be one of the best rallies in the country no doubt well and one thing that they did really right this time is they had multiple ambulances available one for each stage Yep. And they were able to get going right away. Um, one tried to come from the finish in that earlier situation. Unfortunately, it got stuck in the muck. That that's always a tough situation, you know. All hands are on deck, trying to get you know both directions to get to the situation. But you know, again, they got there, did the thing. But the fact you had two instead of one, and then if that one got stuck, so and the other thing is you have, you know, the one that's still there can then allow another stage to still run because, I mean, mm -hmm. yes, assess an injury and all that stuff, but rallying is a traveling circus and <laughs> you can't well just stop, <laughs> right? You, you, you want to keep things still moving if you can. Again, safety is paramount, but if you can still run safely, then you have another ambulance there and you have another one maybe coming in as the other one's transporting and then they can come in and get ready for that next stage after that or or, or however you can do that and uh, keep things moving along and not lose too much of the stage miles that, you know, we're all paying a fee to uh, to go out and play and do this stuff. And, you know, again, accidents do happen, but we still want to be able to go out and play. So, um, yeah, 
Anyways, uh, I thought they did a very good job of making sure that there was multiple ambulances available. That made a because imagine the delays if they didn't have that, it would have been a much bigger oh, problem. Oh man, that that would have been crazy because not not only do you have to deal with the uh, the wet roads, but then all the tight hairpins of STPR with a kind of a dually ambulance. Yeah, that that would have been that would have been very difficult. But but agreed. I think that was previously uh, you know one of the. Uh, um, improvement points that the that STPR had in the past, mm -hmm. and I think they executed that this year flawlessly. So, so exactly. kudos to them. Always improving. It's hard to be perfect, you know. And until you experience situations like this, you know, you're like, oh wow, okay, that's where there's a hole, um, and and you plug it. So, so yeah, wheel bearings. Um, I believe Tedrick, <laughs> your your uh, team that you were <laughs> so, being the photographer for specifically. Um, they understand a thing or two about uh, bad wheel bearings. Uh, ones that actually can cause and on fires. The stage two. <laughs> hmm. I wonder what's yeah, going on. Yeah, I, I had a little, I had a little bit of a laugh there when you said you went into that stage with a, with a wheel bearing going out because uh, we went through exactly the same conversation. They came into service and said, "I think they've got a wheel bearing issue," and they took a look at it and said, "Yeah, that's shot." Um, and this is Amanda Skelly, by the way, just oh, to yeah. clarify. Yeah. Um, yeah, they said, uh, yeah, you know what, we'll uh, we'll see if we can change it tonight. But in the meantime, just send it. So they did. <laughs> That's good mentality. Uh, yeah, uh, until it turns out it got hot enough that it actually, uh, I believe it melted the seals in the rear caliper. And so the brake just started leaking and they lost brakes for the last mile of that stage. So then they did have to take it slow. Uh, and then as soon as they stopped, uh, you know, all the fluid had leaked out and uh, started you know, just caught fire and, yeah, you know, had a little fun there, but everything was fine. They fixed it that night and they were back out the next morning. So and they were all in good spirits. They weren't surprisingly not freaked out by the fire. Well, that's good. I mean, it, it could have, the fire could have started, you know, halfway into the stage or something like that. God forbid. Right. But, right. but just the, uh, just the nature of the stage, it's, it takes its toll on, uh, on wheel bearings. And, uh, I didn't have a spare. So now, uh, <laughs> that, that's that's one of my improvement points for the for the next rally definitely bring a spare set of hubs and and have it handy because it it, it takes a beating no doubt uh finishing up on saturday everybody kind of coming in through the final run of waste management um a flying finish kind of in a a bit of a bowl i guess before uh, they kind of popped out to the stop control and how many of you saw Oliver Solberg's donut that he did just as he crossed the finish line? Oh, that line? was amazing. <laughs> Such a signature Solberg move, by the way. Right? <laughs> you know, when, when, he, when he started the event, you know, on Thursday during the uh, ceremonial opening. Oh, yeah. Um, he was out of the car, like all limbs out of the car. I don't know who's steering it or doing what, but he's just waving to the crowd. And then... Um, quintessentially does a Solberg donut at the finish. So it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that kid's a monster. <laughs> and just to hear all of us who have been to, like, between everyone standing straight across that stop line, how many rallies has everyone been there, been to at that point? And all of us, just to hear, you can hear the crowd off in the distance, but you can hear all of us going, Oh, <laughs> freaking out at this and then he just rolls up and it is it is just so much emotion with everyone there it was amazing it was the it was probably the coolest finish to a rally i've ever seen i i think he cooked the motor didn't he because there was a lot yes. of steam coming out <laughs> yes. of that out of that hood when he when he finished so 
I think they kind of, I think Subaru is trying to keep that under wraps, but it's like, oh boy, for those that know, it's like, yeah, something yeah. was, uh, something was running hot there. Yeah, Pricey yeah. was saying that there's uh, some extra work he's got to do now. <laughs> uh, he doesn't know where it happened, but somewhere near the finish there, uh, they hit something that made the, the the fluid come out. So it wasn't the got donut it. that caused it or anything like that. It was something else. And uh, next thing, you know, they were just kind of out of coolant and it started really showing itself as, as they came to a stop. So, uh, but I also loved how on the podium there is that, you know, I, I did a, that short interview with Oliver and how he, he's again, just like his dad, he's just so comfortable in talking. He, he has this energy and he, he really does love it. Right. It's not just a job. He's so exciting and excited and having so much fun. And he was mm-hmm. describing the those the finish control. It's like he's going into that donut. And he's like, um, I, I think these people should move now. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, okay, I've never been in the driver's seat in a rally, but how does he have time to look and think about that? <laughs> I, but not going to lie, that if you're going to do a donut, you got to do it in a bowl. Like it's just like it was just it was just made for donuts if you look at it, right? Yeah, yeah. it was the perfect spot. I, I wouldn't have thought to do it, but after seeing him do it, it's like why didn't everybody? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I made it to the end. Finish donuts every car. Like they should just put a sign on the flying finish that says yes. "Donuts." <laughs> we'll, just be, we'll just put it in our notes for next year. How about yeah, I, I like that. I like that. I like that. Higgins gets his. 10th national championship with uh, his second place here. So that's uh, the big the big 10 there. Makes me wonder, it's like, how many more is he going to try and do? Is he, <laughs> you know, so it starts making you wonder about uh, future predictions for him. And I think that was his eighth with Craig Drew. Because I think, didn't he get two of them when he was with Mitsubishi? Um, oh, man, this is going back a while. But yeah, he, um, I think he was with the AV Sport team in 02. And then he was um, with the Mitsubishi 2003, 2004. Right. So, yeah, 10 is, is crazy. But I want to ask you, Mike and, and, and Tedrick, do you think Hagens was going at 100%? Was he, was he going for the championship or do you think he was trying to go for the wins? What's your opinion? It depends uh, on when. So, go, Tedrick. Oh, I was going to say, if you're talking about STPR, I would say... STPR, uh, yeah. He was going for... He knew what he had to do for the championship uh, and, and just going to drive conservatively for that. That 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 was my take on what I saw and heard. OK, I would say that I think he was probably going for the win in the first loop of stages. Mm-hmm. After he saw the writing on the wall, he didn't. He went for the championship. Mm. That's that's what my, my thought on it is, is he, he was he was going to try and push it. See if he could push Oliver into a mistake, maybe even. Um, but then once he realized that that gap was getting a little bit too big and maybe the amount of risk that he'd have to take was too much, it, David is very good at managing risk. He knows where yeah. he can push and where he can back mm-hmm. off, w- without yeah. a doubt. Whereas we know that Oliver just pushes, 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 pushes. Yeah, so I, I think he did try on the, on the first few stages, but I think he knows it. Nope, think big picture. Uh, for the brand, you know, remember he's the mm-hmm. he, he, he's the career man with Subaru, and Subaru needs to make sure they're on that podium. Uh, if you think back to Idaho, where there was no Subaru car on that podium at all, you know, neither one of them made that. That probably hurt a little. So uh, I, I can imagine that uh, that that sunk in a little bit. But I think from the get go, though, he 
he he was going to push a little bit based on his experience there and and, and thinking he could make something happen. But I, I agree. I think I think David is a competitor at heart. I mean, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. And um, do you know the time gap after the first loop? I'm I'm just I'm curious. Well, let's see here. Um, I, I have national that. results stages here. So, well, Oliver took. 15 seconds out of him on, oh gee yeah 15 seconds on just the first stage that's substantial i mean what it's a 12 mile stage that's more than more than a second more than a second a mile. mile yeah yeah uh stage two it was seven seconds and then stage three he took uh only four seconds so that's where you can see david was was trying to keep up with him yeah and then stage four only two seconds but then we get back to stage five, and it's ten seconds. Then another seven. So probably by the five, by the first service, we're yeah. talking like thirty seconds, if not if not yeah. more, right? Exactly. Yeah. So so I mean, it's it's substantial, and I'm I'm honestly shocked at at that difference. So the question is, because this kind of happened last year, where uh, you know David. Uh, you know, won the championship before the last event, so he kind of just went ham on the last event and and ended up off at Tour de Forest. But uh, what's going to happen at LSPR? Uh huh. Because he has because he has nothing nothing on the you know he has no. He's already won it. Yeah. Yeah. So well, basically, to me, it's like you got no excuses now, right? Right. So he can't use the championship excuse. Yeah, because exactly. <laughs> it's already wrapped up. So is is um I didn't I don't know the uh, entry for uh, for LSPR, um, but is is Solberg scheduled for for that yep. event? Yeah, cool. the only two events that uh, Pastrana did were the two that Oliver couldn't make, and so that was Oregon Trail and Ojibwe. So all the others um, he was uh, able to compete in. So that's six events that he was doing. So. So I, I think we're looking at a scrappy fight for uh, at LSPR. I'm actually really looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be pretty darn exciting, that's for sure. Definitely. Yeah. We had a number of championships uh, end up kind of wrapping up at this event. Um, uh, you had Camp Sealing, Preston Osborne. They uh, end up sealing up the limited four-wheel drive, so good on them for that. Yeah. Uh, but also first in class and did a great, great job. Um, I will say that Preston's complaint about the waste management stage was he literally got a headache from his head bouncing around so much. That was his challenge with it. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah, so he had a bit of a challenge, a bit of an issue there. And then uh, Eric Potts and Claudia Pullen, who Claudia was actually with Michael Hooper, but she's <laughs> done events with Eric Potts as well. Uh, the combination of those two actually ended up winning the Open Two-Wheel Drive Championships. So, um, and then the naturally aspirated four wheel drive was already wrapped up at Ojibwe when uh, Blake and Trisha Lind uh, ended up just showing up to that event because there was nobody else that competed in a East, what is considered an East event, um, that and then also came West. So, yeah, it, it was pretty much done for then. But uh, they they still did well at that event too. So uh, can't can't say they just backed off. But so yeah, a lot of championships wrapped up. Uh, what is it? Just limited two wheel drive that's left and. That's it, I guess so, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not sure on the actual actual championships, but you know, when it comes to like the the smaller classes, like uh, NA four wheel drive, it's. I would love for there to be some sort of shootout, you know, like maybe like hundred acres, something like meet in the middle, and then just and just go for it. 
because um, I feel like with, with these types of classes, the, the person who does the most events and, and enters nationally, by the way, I was I was entered regional. That's I think that's mm-hmm. a whole nother separate conversation. Well, that is a conversation um, we're going to go into here. So. There you go. <laughs> Great lead but, in. But but yeah, I, I think um, whoever does the most event and, I, and I've seen Blake's times. He's a very fast driver as well. But, um, you know, if if he did the West Coast events and did a few kind of what Midwest events, then that would pretty much uh, wrap up the championship for him. So, um, you know, kudos, kudos to him. So, uh, I, well, I guess let, let's wrap up with uh, some of the other finishers that were kind of notable. Um, actually, one I wanted to mention was uh, Martin Brady, um, who finished with uh, Seamus. They're back in four-wheel drive for the first time in a long time yeah. um, after uh, they done broke the escort, <laughs> broke it bad. Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, New England. They, oh man, they hit a rock that just obliterated the oil pan and then it, the motor went and yeah, there was, there was a lot of broken stuffs. Uh, yeah, unfortunate, but they'll get it fixed up. Um, they, they were working on it, just wasn't ready yet. So, uh, yeah, had to switch into the other car and, you know, uh, th- but the interesting thing was Martin Brady ended up having an issue on the final day on Saturday with. He ate something that didn't agree with him on the night before. And so he had stomach issues all day. I, I just wonder if um, you as a competitor or being out there on the stage, you ever had that, I feel like crap, but I've got a rally? Um, I I think yes, but not so much from a physical standpoint as Martin had. But for me, it was it's mental. When I when I started rallying, I was super anxious and, and nervous and Anything that I ate in the morning, I tried to keep it low because it, it would just come back up. Like it was, it was, it was to that point. Um, but yeah, I, I've I've had that feeling, and I actually think a lot of competitors share the same kind of like anxious feeling. But then, just just recently this year, um, I've I've kind of shifted my my mental state a little bit um, and bottled up that as as excitement rather than the nerves, and I think that's. Other than notes, that's one of the main contributing factors to, to why I, I I did well in um, in overall and, and also in, in my class. But but yeah, I've I've had co-drivers that have lost their voice. Um, I think that's pretty much the extent of uh, of an ill ill crew for me. Yeah, well, it doesn't sound like fun, you know. Being in something is doing a lot of bit a lot of motion and whatnot, and you know, I'm I, I'm from a coastal state and been out on the ocean many times i don't get seasick or, or car sick or anything mm-hmm. but i've been sick and i can imagine being in that situation while you're sick has got to be just a horrible feeling i can't <laughs> you know, even and, imagine <laughs> and then trying to call notes to do it too yeah just wow so you, you know you know it's funny it's funny you say that mike because i was at a i was at a, an amusement park this this past weekend and even going on the rides, I started getting a little queasy, and I'm just like, man, I'm glad I'm not a coach driver because I would not be able to do this at all. <laughs> well, uh, hat tip to Martin Brady for uh, weathering through that because I, I, like I said, I don't know how you call notes in that condition. That's that's rough. He's a trooper. He, he certainly is. Certainly is. Um, one of the other uh, standout stories that I thought was really fun was uh, Eric Kersey. He was a volunteer a year ago. And then this year he he decided to become a competitor. This is his third event I think he's ever done, and ended up on the podium in the regional. So also in NA four. So great job by him. That was just really cool. Just kind of those guys that, wow, this rally thing's so cool. You know, he just he, he just was all in, and that excitement on his face was just priceless. 
Yeah, and 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 he had some very impressive pace for his third event. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to to see his progression, and hopefully we'll have you know more more battles on the stages. But kudos to him; he he drove a fantastic rally for for only his his third event. Great job. So yeah, so now I want to kind of get back into um, national versus regional stuff. Okay, so let's have the discussion. Okay. All right, so, well, well, I mean, this is a thing that comes up, and it comes up pretty regularly. First of all, there were a lot more people entered as national um, yeah. in NA4 than yeah. I've seen in a long time. Now, some of that, I can imagine, has to do with the entry discount that Subaru offers, which is extremely generous, to be honest. Yes. Um, I remember years ago, back when there was only Rally America, really, as the primary, um, you know, sanctioning body, and... Everybody was clawing for NA4 to become a national class. Okay, it happened. But now you get this division between regional people versus national people. It's like, okay. Now, I'm going to throw out what my opinion of national is, and, and I've said it many times on this show, is I think a national championship win should be hard. I think, yes, you have to go to multiple events, and you have to tow, and it shouldn't be easy because it should be a big deal. Um. Yeah, those that happen to be able to go to more events are the ones that can that can win it all. But that said, if you know, it only has to be six of the nine, which isn't a huge amount by by the grand scheme of things. You don't have to make it to every single one. But I look at any other form of motorsport, and a national championship requires going to a lot of events. So I I don't see why rally should be any different i know that there's the whole shootout concept that was done under um, nasa i i don't see that where just you go to one event and then that wins you an entire year essentially it just to me there's a different mentality between winning a uh, an event versus winning a championship and how you approach it we we're talking about david higgins with that mm -hmm. so that's my two cents with it um, I, but you also I... have to provide value to national versus regional right of course so just just for context for for your listeners for for those that don't know super offers both a a national discount and a regional discount um the regional discount i believe is 300 bucks versus the national i think is 500 so at the end of the day we're only talking a, a 50 dollar difference um i've been entering regional um for for as long as i can remember and and my thing, my rationale for entering regional is, you know, the 50 bucks that I save, I give that back to the crew and, and buy them just drinks after the rally. Um, but but also because I can't afford to do the entire national championship, um, I, I honestly don't even like if even if I could, I wouldn't like driving for a championship. I like I like showing up an event at an event and just doing the best you can and, and just trying to treating it as it's uh as it's a solo rally um i i like that standpoint versus the kind of david higgins approach where you know if he if he's in a really tight battle he's naturally going to err on the side of caution mm -hmm. um and, and go for that championship so there's there's two different levels of of approach there um yep. you know not saying one is better than the other um but just just for me um i think it's pretty cool that knowing that if I entered nationally, I would have been first by, you know, two and a half minutes or something like that. And, and honestly, the way, the way I also look at it is NA four wheel drive is a phenomenal class. It's six trophies that are handed out at the end of the day versus three. 
and if we can just spread the love and appreciation for the class all the better so it's it's a win-win for me opinion tedrick i don't have a strong opinion on it yet because i'm not a competitor so i i haven't had a full understanding of everything so i'm just trying to keep up yeah fair I, enough, I, fair enough. I think tedrick one of the main talking points that you know and this this happens to me at both new england and sdpr is that you know if if i entered nationally i would have won right but like i said i i i view it as a win-win because you know we're giving out trophies to to somebody who also deserves it um it's six trophies versus versus three and it's just spreading the love so that's just that's just how i look at it right well i I think what you said about the about not essentially entering as a regional so you can kind of you can run your own race you can have fun and uh you know i've heard a few people say from both national and regional about uh you know if you're not going to run the whole national series uh and you enter nationally then you're you can upset uh someone's national run uh which you know could be taken either way, but I think it's definitely something to be considered. But I don't think that decision really should fall on the competitors to make that choice. I feel like if they're going, if the series wants to make that distinction and make it an incentive for someone to enter one or the other, they need to make that incentive clear. Yeah. And, and I guess that's, that's where I was going to throw in, you know, the value part, right? Um, ARA has been, you know, redefining itself, like with media stuff uh, this year, being a little different than what we've done before and things like that. Um, if you can somehow provide extra value, because let's say, you know, that person that wants to do national, they need to do stuff for their sponsors. So they need more media attention. And it makes sense if you pay a higher national fee, you get more media attention, that kind of stuff. Um, if one of the other things that's been talked about is, and again, I don't know if this will ever happen, but. One of the things I heard is like, well, uh, something they do in Europe or, or another event, other places is the regionals, they actually skip a couple stages. So the number of miles they get is less. So the value yeah. looks different for national versus regional, uh, making the national seem a little bit more attractive price wise. I'm not that one. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying just different ideas that have been yeah. out there. I mean, obviously, again, not a competitor, but I I am just like. Like, if I were going to go to a race, I would want to race all those stages, no matter what. Just sure. because I'd want to go have... I would want to enjoy it. I would want to see what I can do and all of that. Right. Um, and so that kind of brings back in the, the old way of, you know, regionals were a different regional for each day, which always seemed a little weird, I guess. Actually, I think kudos the to them for combining it. because sense to me. But... Tell, tell me who honestly didn't enter both days it seemed oh, actually kind sure. of ridiculous actually the the first time i can remember um a difference between the two days for someone as far as entering versus not was when tito entered just entered two days but with two different co-drivers in uh oregon trail a couple of years ago the, the the one benefit i i see from that is if you have an oopsie on the first day you mm-hmm. still have a shot at winning the second day that's that's honestly the only the True. only benefit i, I that... see from that that actually is a really good point uh, that might actually be overlooked, especially as far as regional goes. Uh, whereas you, you essentially don't have to super rally as a regional. Yeah, I mean, I I, I see that for sure. Um, I will say that's a hell of a lot of trophies you got to give out for uh, for the uh, organizer. 
Yeah, I do um, remember those awards. And uh, then the value on the say Saturday, where only two stages got to be run because of issues, and it could be anything from something being flooded or whatever. And true. it's like people are paying how much for a day that's only a couple of stages, and then you know the value of the other ones. Like, look at how many miles we got on Friday, and I'm paying the same amount for each day. What? Um, you know, a lot of stuff could be argued there, but uh, yeah, I I like the fact that it's combined. I don't know. I, I think I it's uh, an interesting conversation, though, uh, sitting down and having a beer with uh, Petter Solberg, which, by the way, is freaking awesome. Um, oh, I'm jealous. Right? Who is this? Um, yeah, yeah I, 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 I missed your guys' party, but uh, we were uh, back in Mansfield where uh, that we, we were uh, all, all kicking back over there with uh, the other folks that were in the hotels closer to us. And uh, so it was, you know, all the Subaru guys. It was uh, McKenna and his crew and... Um, Eric Potts and you were just down the road from me and you didn't tell me. I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, I still didn't have a car, but I was going to say you didn't have a car to get there. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but what was interesting, actually, Petter Solberg brought up a very good point. Uh, He was actually comparing Gymkhana grid. Now, obviously a different sport for sure, but instead of having regional and national, they have amateur and professional. And what they do is the professionals can't win uh, an amateur trophy, right? Um, they, they can't go down. But the amateurs are in the same overall as everybody else, and an amateur can win overall. Ooh, interesting. Isn't that I, interesting? I like that. So he thought that was it brought a lot of value to some of these fast amateurs because that actually happened, I guess, at the event that Petter and uh, Oliver were at uh, just a couple weeks prior or whatever. And it was a it was a amateur guy that was so good and he got all the media attention. And, you know, that really helped promote him to make it to more events. And uh, I thought that was very unique. I'm I'm trying to figure out how we would make that work exactly. How do you define uh, the amateurs versus the professionals? Right. I, I think yeah, is a little bit right. different thing, but conceptually, I thought it's pretty freaking cool. I you mean, know, Mike. I, it, sorry, Patrick. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, Mark. No, I was gonna say I, I think it's it's cool, and not just because I'm I was in this scenario, but for a regional to beat a national, um, I, I think that just makes for a story right there. But but yeah, yeah I, I agree with your your statement, Mike, how how, you know, Jim Connor grid would define or if we you know adopted that concept here in, in ARA, how we would define a professional versus uh, amateur would be would be, I'm sure, a very interesting topic. Well, I, I think that's actually especially, you know, we're talking about uh, essentially the value of paying for national versus regional and. You know, it's it's hard to it's hard to define that, especially if it's not a physical thing like number of stage miles or something. Uh, but it, if if it is like media coverage and you know other things like that that are a little more intangible, but ultimately can promote your team. You know, if someone pays their way into that and they they do it and everything, that's awesome. Uh, but if someone uh, like Mark. Uh, goes ahead and just, you know, does their thing and just kicks everyone's butt. Like, 
I think that I think that really does deserve that level of recognition. Um, and you know, if they find that, oh hey, we got all this recognition, we're getting sponsors or whatever, you know, all this stuff's coming, uh, you know, then they they can see the value or or essentially value has been brought to them to continue to enter at that level. And I think I think that is a good I think that's actually a really good model to try to think about it. I think we should give a little more thought to that. I think we yeah, I think we all agree on that. Um so yeah, I don't know how again, the definition needs to be figured out, but uh, it, it's an interesting concept for sure. Um, just kind of finish it up with uh, some other subjects here. Uh, I wanted to talk about the fact that, hey, we got to do a lot more media stuff with ARA, which I thought was cool. Um, not because it's camera focused on me, because honestly, I care less about me. Um, I want to see the action out there on the stages. I want to see me being able to talk to people and uh, more promotion of the sport as a whole. They've gotten rid of that flow racing stuff. Um, unfortunately, Ojibwe, they didn't do as much media coverage a, a, as I thought they were going to do. But with this event, there was quite a bit of stuff that they ended up doing on YouTube. I guess the Facebook uh, connection with the device that they're using wasn't working very well. Um, it, it kept cutting out or something, so they switched over and did YouTube as their uh, streaming source. Unfortunately, ARA does not have a lot of followers on YouTube because the way Facebook and its algorithms work, unless you are live on Facebook, it you post that you're going live somewhere else and it's like way down the list, right? So they very much favor things that are live streaming through their source, through their uh, system. So the viewers weren't quite there as uh, we would normally see. But if you want to go back and see some of the stuff that we did, uh, we were live on the short running of uh, Waste Management. Well, we were there for the, on the green for Thursday night. Um, we were... Uh, the just it was getting dark on the on the long first long running i guess it was of, S, of uh, waste management before you guys went out in the woods um at the end of friday and uh what else uh, of course the podium coverage on um on saturday as well so a lot of good coverage out there um kind of like the stuff matt and i used to do uh, to some extent um it, it's nice to see that back um versus I don't know, stuff that was going into a place that nobody saw anyway. So that was really cool. Um, so for those of you that want to see that, make sure you go to the ARA's YouTube channel, uh, not just to plug ARA, but I just want to see more coverage out there and people helping promote the sport as a whole. And make sure you subscribe to it. Uh, get the alert when it a ha- uh, new live stream happens because uh, that kind of brings more people in and stuff too. So, um, But yeah, it's fun getting out there and, and talking to people. Mark, I still show you the love, man. Um, you no, may I, be just I, that lowly <laughs> little regional guy, but, uh, <laughs> no, I, and, and I, and I appreciate that, Mike, not only for, for my own sake, but for, for everybody else's is because, you know, there, there's also stories for, for regional competitors more so not maybe stage times perhaps, but the struggles on how to get there and, and just mm-hmm. the, the kind of amateur stories that I think, um, yourself, Mike and, and ARA do, do a very good job in covering and, and yeah, I've post event. I've reviewed all of the all of the live streaming um, that that you guys have done, and it's and it's very extensive. So it's really really good to see. I felt bad though because uh, I was used to them after like ten cars, they'd cut me off, and I needed to get more information deeper in the field because I did not know I was going to be on air that long. Ah. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, who the hell is this car? <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> and, it's, and it's tough to see at night, right? 
Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that even happened to me in the day, though, the, the short run through uh, the first short version of Waste Management. Um, about, yeah, after about like the first 10 or 15 cars or whatever, I'm like, I don't know who this is. <laughs> um, also, I, you know, I know most of the people out West cause this is where I volunteered over the years and stuff. So I also have to right. still get to know more of the East coast guys, but, um, yeah, so always a bit of a challenge there, but you know, whatever. Um, let's see here. Uh, I want to also say happy birthday to Oliver Solberg. Today is his 18th birthday and he can finally take his driver's test. Ooh, that's a huge milestone. I know it's still mind-boggling. He's only turning eighteen. Dear <laughs> because I I don't know if the all the listeners know, but um, um, Oliver is not allowed to actually drive the car during recce, nope. and they swap driver and co-driver for transits. Yep. So I I find that dynamic very interesting, and I actually think, and my correct me if I'm wrong, that Petter um, does recce with Oliver. And I think Oliver just what, sits in the back seat or, or something like yep. something crazy. So yep. that, that yeah. dynamic I think is just so interesting to see. And it makes for such a good story. Yeah. And, uh, if you think he's, you know, that quick from the back seat making notes, imagine what it'll be like when he's properly <laughs> in the front seat. Right. Oh boy, boy <laughs> better watch out. <laughs> I'd love to hear or see his, his first try, you know, when he actually does get to sit up front and make the notes himself, uh, you know, no offense to him or anything, but it, it's a, uh, I think everyone can say like, that's a totally different experience than having someone else sit up there. Uh, especially someone who, uh, has a little more experience. Yeah. Just a little. <laughs> At that age, being the caliber driver we're already seeing, it's not really a question of if he's going to win a championship. It's really about how many, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Oh, but, yeah. But but I don't think that's his um, that's his end game with with ARA. I, I honestly think that it's just a stepping stone to to be in a very fast car, something at or very close to to WRC level, and to experience different types of roads. I mean, if if you follow Oliver, he's doing literally an event almost every weekend. It's either in a Polo R five car. Or if it's, you know, with the American Championship here, ultimately what he's doing is just expanding his horizon of different types of cars he's driving in different types of stages, whether it's slow, whether it's rough, whether it's fast. So basically, he's just culminating this experience to, to hopefully get into the WRC. You know, I, I hope that in 15, 20 years, he just looks back at everything and just, you know, appreciate, appreciates how um how much experience he was able to have at a very young age um because that's that's something that not many people have yeah i agree so what's next for uh map rally team man um oof good question i uh, wasn't prepared for that one ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, see because i mean yeah. you, you've done your domination out east at new england at stpr dude what's the encore you know, it's it's a good question. Everybody after STPR is like ESPR, ESPR, and I really have no excuse not to do ESPR because it's like literally forty five minutes away from my house. Uh -huh. I, can, I can I can drive the car there, but but honestly, Mike, uh, funds are low and um, the car needs a little bit of work. My my motto is about rallying is number one, I don't spend money that I don't have, but but number two is to just um, enjoy life and when when the prep. And the, the hustle to actually to get to a rally, um, 
overweighs everything, then, you know, I, I like to usually take a break and maybe just concentrate my efforts into, into 2020. My dad actually makes a very good statement. He goes, once a rally is over, the next one begins. Just the, the, and what he means by that is when, you know, when you're done with an event, it's, it's actually its own rally to get to the rally. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because, you know, you have to, you have to hustle, you have to prep the car. Um, you have to do all this stuff that, you know, the, the professionals do not do. They just arrive and drive. So, um, yeah, it would, it would be a tight turnaround for me to, to do ESPR, to reprep the car and to, um, scrounge up some funds to, to do the event. And, um, yeah, I, unfortunately I'll probably use my time to either volunteer or, or crew for somebody to, to give back to the community. But, um, I honestly want to do a snow event. I think that would be freaking nice. awesome, especially in, in, in my car. So, um, as you've seen at STPR, you know, mother nature and, and interesting conditions are the almighty equalizer. So, uh, and I've always wanted to do a snow event, you know, when it snows here. Well, they do the waste management winter rally, right? They do. They do. That's, that's one option. Um, I don't know if they did it last year though. Um, but that's obviously a very local option to myself, but I'm looking at, you know, possibly snow drift or, or maybe even going out to Canada for, for personage. Nice. So that, that would be very cool. I have to make that decision soon. I, I see that snow drift posted there. Uh, they're saved the date. And at, yeah, at they work. did, which was interesting because yeah. we haven't seen the full schedule from ARA yet, but they're going to post their date. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, but I, I saw that during my lunch break and I'm like, Hmm, things are <laughs> gears are turning here, but but That's definitely awesome. a snow event would be would be on my radar for next year. That's awesome. And actually, one thing I just want to bring up is how you said that you're going to put your efforts into volunteering um, or, or helping out a crew, and that right there that that's awesome. I want as many competitors that can't make it to the next event, but there's still one nearby, volunteer, be part of the community that makes it happen. It gives you a different perspective if you've never done it. Oh, of course, totally. It's, you know, it's, it's giving back to the community because organizers, it's, it's a very thankless job. You know, you can, you can go after an event and, and people are, you know, bashing this and that, but um, I don't think they realize how much effort uh, an organization, um, you know, does to, to actually create a rally and to have it run. So, so any opportunity that I get to, to give back to the community, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely take and especially no excuse for me being that the event is like literally under the under an hour from from my home. So, um, you know, happy to help when I can. Uh, let's see here. We've got a couple other events coming up. Uh, so you mentioned ESPR. That's coming up soon. We've got uh, the Pacific Forest Rally out west here. Um, I think, Tedrick, you're going to mention something about that. Are you going to go on out to that one? Uh, I would love to. It was the one time I got to go. It was an absolutely amazing event. I think I might just need to enjoy a weekend at home. <laughs> um, surprise, surprise. Yeah, so this is your first yeah. year you've traveled the country doing most of the rallies. So uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. You realize, like, huh, home, home's not so bad. Yeah, and, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. When you do the whole, I've done everything but NEFR. And, uh, Mark, what you said about as soon as one rally ends, uh, the next one begins. I'm going to modify that a little bit for uh the media perspective is that as soon as the rally ends my work begins and i have to begin planning for the next one so um it's a little double work there uh so i'm gonna sit out pfr unfortunately because that's such a cool event and it's only it's actually 
it's actually closer than uh, most of Oregon Trail for me. But there's that. Uh, no, I just had some notes there uh, that uh, Wallingford is taking his R5 up there after just doing the uh, hill climb. Uh, um, San, is it San Pedro Martir in Mexico? In Mexico, yeah. Um, so he's taking his R5 back up there. So I guess uh, his back is all healed again and he's out well, having fun. N- not to mention he did Defi before that. True, yes. So he, as soon as he got healed up, Defi... He'll climb PFR. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. Like, Damn. As soon as I get back in that car, I'm doing everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> no matter where it is. Um, that's that's so cool. And I'm so glad that he's healing up well. Amazing. Um, so. It actually just makes me a little bit more bummed than I'm going to miss it. Uh, but, you know, maybe I'll just, like, you know, just head straight from work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You can always make a last-minute decision. Yeah, you know, it's only four hours away. Ooh, um, yeah, it's not close. bad at all. In the realm of the world, that's close, Tedrick. I, I would, I would, I would think about that again. I, I don't, well, see, last time, the one time I've been up there, a little side note, but the one time I've been up there, it was also a little bit of a last-minute trip, and it's the only time I've ever gotten stopped at a border. Uh, and they're like, why did you make your plan so late? Why did you book your hotel so late? What's going on? What are you doing up there? And I'm like, I- I'm just going to see a rally. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what is this? They're like, what, what are you doing up there? I was like, well, I just wanted to take some pictures. Are you taking Canadian jobs? I was like, no. And on top of that, Tedrick, I think it's it's a, probably a gorgeous region of, of, of Canada, oh, too, right? Yeah. I'm trying to sell it to you, man. I'm trying I, to sell I, it to you. you oh, the pictures from last year, dude. Those pictures yeah, were amazing. Seriously, I, I, I literally have uh, one of the pictures hanging on my wall right next to me right now. Uh, I still can't believe it was last year or two years ago. I can't even remember. The one time I went there, like the morning was, it was full on winter conditions. It was snowy. I was standing in a couple feet of snow and the afternoon stage I went and a couple valleys over and it was beautiful fall conditions. And I was in a t-shirt and jeans and like nothing. Uh, it, it was so cool. I really, really, really want to go. Um, but you know, if, if someone has room on their hotel floor and I could leave straight from work, maybe I'll think about it. Um, <laughs> Tedrick, right. I, I know your struggles. I, I used to, um, <laughs> before I was a competitor, I used to shoot rally and, and do photography as well. So, yeah, once once the event is over, that's actually when your work starts. Yeah. So post, post-processing and, and, and all that fun stuff. So I, I, I totally get it. I totally yeah. get it. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm not the kind of person, like, as long as I'm on a stage, I'm shooting. I'm not the kind of person that's like, all right, I've shot, I've shot my teams or I've shot this and I'm done. It's like, it, if I... If I'm there and if I can be there and I don't have to leave for a certain reason, I will shoot. Like I, I And because... from every position possible. I've tried to follow <laughs> yeah. you, dear lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, if I don't have to get a shot at a certain spot, then um I get bored and I will wander. Um which I guess is or now... climb. Or climb. I, yeah, as I, I was going to say, it's now a little more frowned upon to keep moving on stage, so I guess I should tone that down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, climbed a few things, a few trees and whatever on the way. Um, 
the the last thing I had noted down uh, was that we have a couple of more Northwest locals. We have Karen Jankowski and Mitch Meadows in uh, Karen's uh, Dodge Caliber uh, going up to race PFR, which I believe is their second event in the Caliber. Or Karen's it's, it's her event. it's her second event. It'll be yeah. the first time with Mitch Meadows of uh, Melee Design. Um, they're the ones that make those uh, Odyssey battery um holder things which are pretty dark pretty wicked cool uh yeah. and uh it, we got to get mitch on the show because what's cool is that you know he got into designing the stuff and 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 just learned about the rally world less than a year ago and he's like one of those people that's all in i mean he's just like he met got involved with the community figured out what it how how friendly it is how open it is and you know obviously he's he's trying to sell a product through it but he's like, wow, this is the coolest sport I've ever been involved in. <laughs> and now he's getting into co-driving because he's so into it. And, yeah, it's, it's just really cool. Um, so a slippery slope. That's all I'm <laughs> Right? <gonna say. laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yep. uh, good on him for uh, taking that step and getting that much more involved. And, uh, yeah, Mitch is a really cool guy. I remember uh, Oregon Trail, I was doing the press stage, and uh, – these different teams are like going, you know, so I'm like, okay, so uh, what, what rides are you going to be giving uh, for your team? And he's like, four or five different teams said Mitch Meadows. <laughs> I'm like, um, <laughs> he's already getting other rides. He doesn't need yeah. any more. <laughs> so like I said, he's made a lot of relationships. He's doing everything he can. He's got the Melee uh, Media stuff where they've come out to events uh, following Karen and whatnot and doing a lot of filming and he just wants to help promote the sport and build it up. And it's just really, really freaking cool. So I really hope they have a, a good run out there. Um, I'm curious what, I know that for ARA events, Karen's technically a rookie as far as a driver. And so she had to have the uh, different restrictor on the car up in Canada. It's not a different restrictor. They got the pop-off valve thing, right? For turbos, Ooh, that's, a, that's so, a good question. I, I, don't, I, don't, um, I don't know. So I think she. Well, the thing is, I think the car wasn't tuned properly for the restrictor that they ran at Oregon. So they had all kinds of issues. Oh, okay. It kept going to limp mode and things like that. Because, yeah, you, you know, all those sensors and things, it's not getting enough air or whatever. Yeah. It's gonna start acting up and and not doing fun things. So, uh, hopefully, the car doesn't have to have that overly restrictive restrictor up there, and it can run as it should. And uh, really, it's just make sure you don't overboost, and that would be, uh, I think, a better situation than uh, what they ended up having at Oregon Trail, and hopefully that get a good result. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to about wrap it up. Um, I normally like to talk WRC stuff, but I still have not followed WRC Turkey yet, so Neither I, I, have I. I somehow I avoided figuring out who won. I don't know how I've avoided that. Oh, have you really? Oh, okay. I won't. You didn't won't say it. it. See, good. So we're I good. Won't spoil it. Then. Um, but you know, honestly, there's so much stuff to talk about here with what's going on with folks like you, Mark, and uh, and and American rallying that we we don't really get a chance to talk to WRC very often. And our good friends over at absolute rally, if you've ever listened to that podcast, I've been on the show. Uh, they want to talk about American rallying every now and then they usually call me up. And so great podcast, please subscribe to that one. Cause that's primarily what they do and they do a very good job of it. And um, so I, a little shout out to my friends over there across the pond. Cause they just do such a good job. So uh, make sure you listen to that podcast. 
in addition to our own. Um, so make sure you like and subscribe and all that stuff. We definitely uh, appreciate that. Um, of course, you got us on our Facebook and our Instagram. And on the Facebook page, if you haven't seen them yet, there are the driver quotes and headshots that Tedrick and I do. Tedrick, thank you for being at the finish to do those with me. Those are, that, especially at STPR, that was probably actually my favorite part of the event. That was so much fun. And, and those shots are so classic, Tedrick. I mean, the, that's just amazing because the, the emotion that you get after you finish a rally um, and, you, and you capture it so well, just very, very good job. Kudos oh. to you. Thank you. Thank you. That I that's that's why I do it. I love I Mike <laughs> Mike has been after me for years at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> he's like, get the people, get the people. And I'm like, I just try I try to get the people, I try to get the spectators, whatever. And then we started doing this uh thing and it's like seeing people's faces, uh like the the, the roller coaster of emotions that you see um at the end of the last stage is incredible so just to even be able to try to capture that um and of course you know we we post what we can but there's a there's a lot more photos i send mike a whole like catalog of photos because i don't always get to listen to everything that you guys uh say to him uh i just snap photos and try to get and so i i send mike a bunch you know all right we got we got this range of emotions for each person. Um, so there's a lot more where that came from. So I'll try to get those out at, at some point or get those at least somewhat accessible. I, I, I don't even know of a word that describes the emotions of, of a competitor, whether you've done poorly or, or well at the end. It's like relieved and <laughs> and exhausted and and oh, my God, it's just everything running through through your mind um, after a rally. But it's yeah, it just. Really, really great job, you two, for, for, for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, again, make sure that you go to teamyleafphoto.com for uh, Tedrick's uh, whole gallery of photos that he's got up there. Um, man, you got a few more events of stuff you got to post up, dude. You're running a little, I'm a little, a little behind. behind. Um, yeah. Teamyleafphoto.com or teamy, Facebook slash teamyleafphoto or Instagram at teamyleafphoto. Um, I'll try to get some galleries up soon, uh, if, if Lightroom starts working with exporting, uh, and if anyone has a better alternative to Smug Mug. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am all ears Fair at enough. this point. Fair enough, yeah. Um, how, yeah. How does everybody, uh, follow Map Rally Team? So, uh, Facebook, um, and, and Instagram, at Map Rally Team, pretty, pretty simple, and just, uh, FYI, um, it's it's not as in map as in what well, you're looking at, like drawing a map or looking at a map. There's actually my initials, um, so there's there's been that um, interesting conversation as well. But yeah, map map is actually my initials, so <laughs> nothing to do with uh, with a map. Yeah, but it's, it seems to work pretty well. I, I think I, it does, right? And it's, yeah. it's you can definitely make that conclusion for. for I mean, rally, the rally so thing, right? I mean, you're definitely looking at maps. I mean, it, it makes sense. Right. It, it, it's a good it, uh, play on words. Yeah, if I was a road racing team, maybe it wouldn't make as much sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being on the show and reviewing STPR with us. Uh, again, an, another awesome result. And, and I do like how, you know, the events you go to, you're just going to give it all out and uh, uh, see where you end up. And, well, lately that's worked out pretty well, man. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, the rallies have been going well this year, and hopefully I'll, I'll keep the forward momentum. And uh, just quick shout-out. Thank you, Tedrick and, and Mike, for your support. For some of our uh, for some of us slower guys out there, uh, I think there's definitely a story for for all of us amateurs out there. So, so thanks for covering it, and um, I had a blast talking to you too. So thank you. Slower guys would have been eighth overall. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can call yourself slower. At right? This. Jeez. I'm trying to be humble here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, as always. We love you guys. Listen to our show. Give us a comment if you want, uh, whether on Facebook or Instagram or however you want to reach us. Uh, rallycast at openpaddock.net is our email address. And I'm your host, Mike Shaw, for Tedrick Mealy. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.